Hey guys, it's Walter. Just a quick little announcement before you start the show. Griff wasn't able to join us for the Berserk Talk, so what we were able to do is have him and Azil sit down and talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens at the very end of the show. So if you're interested in that, please stay tuned till after the music at the end of the show and you will be treated to tons and tons of spoilers, if that's your thing. I have not seen the movie yet, so uh, maybe we'll do another one in the future, but uh, for now... Stay tuned for the rest of the show, and again, if you want to hear Star Wars spoilers, listen for the end. Hey guys, this is Walter, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 73 in case this is your first time uh, listening, this is a podcast from the admins of Skullnight.net, which is a Berserk fan forum. I am uh, joined by Azeel. Hey. Hello. Uh, unfortunately, Griff could not make it this time. It's partially my fault for kind of scheduling this in limbo, trying to make sense of the holiday week, and it didn't really make sense. You know, no matter how we tried to make it work, it just didn't work out. So that sucks. We would like to have him here, but it just didn't work out. I hope. No one holds it against me, and I hope Griff doesn't hold it against me either. <laughs> but we're here because there's some big news. There was uh, a couple of big things that were announced this week. Uh, first of which, of course, that is that there is going to be a new anime for Berserk. Yeah! Yeah, season two, finally! Not actually, <laughs> but um, it's just another animation. We saw a preview picture that depicted Guts as the Black Swordsman, uh, which we also knew coming from Mira's comment in The Latest Young Animal, which mentions, finally, Black Guts can be animated. Uh, I'm assuming he means Black Swordsman Guts. Yeah, he put it in between, you know, brackets. Got it. Yeah, so the, the preview picture depicts Guts in what looks exactly like a scene from Lost Children when he's sleeping in the windmill after rescuing uh, Jill. But a uh, little variation is that he's wearing his, you know, post-Volume 17, post-DS Reforge armor with those pointy pauldrons. So a little bit strangeness there. Well, it's the same, you know, as the previous three movies where half the shit was wrong, you know, half the details were wrong. So that, you know, doesn't bode very well right from the start, I'd say. It's true. Yeah, that was also my takeaway was if this is indeed transposing that armor over this scene, and on the one hand, I don't really care. I mean, that sucks, but it doesn't ruin it. But it is an indication of where they're going with this and kind of like their attention to detail, which is not much. Yeah, and you know, it's the same, it's the same stuff. Like I remember people saying uh, back when we pointed out those details uh, before the first three movies even came out and they were like, well, you know, it's just details. It doesn't matter and so on and so on. But like you said in the thread, the problem is, you know, if he's already got the armors, and why should he go see Godo, you know, in yep. volume 17? And then, you know, when you start going that stuff, you know, and what about Erika? And we don't care about Erika. And, and, you know, you go on and on, and it, never mind that Erika actually plays, you know, an important role later on, or that Rickert or whatever. Just all of this denotes, I think, a lack of vision. Mm-hmm. And the problem when you have a lack of vision like that, and when you also don't care about details, because, oh, you know, who cares? But actually, even down the line in the series that's been published in the manga now, it already matters, but they've already fucked it up, you know, like with Silat or some other stuff like that. Yeah, it doesn't bode very well. It also, I think, shows to me that they might not be planning to do, like, the entire series, because, I mean, they're kind of sabotaging themselves already. 
Well, sure, yeah. I mean, speaking of sabotage, whenever I noted that they could just as easily skip out on Goto, I mean, if he's going to do the armor thing, like it is in Lost Children. Yeah. And someone pointed out to me, yeah, they don't even have Goto in the last scene of movie three. In fact, they could distinctly omit Goto from being shown. So it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, it's already begun. It's already happened. Yeah, sure. You know, I can... Yeah, you know, could could be done with everything. Like, I mean, if they hadn't shown Puck in the previous movies, rather randomly, I might add, then <laughs> I, I would say, like, you know, who knows? Maybe he won't be there. You know, why not? I mean, at this point, uh, you know, who can tell what they skip or not? When you see what they did to the previous movies, mm-hmm. they skipped a lot of material, and uh, like, I don't expect anything more or less from these new movies and from the previous one. I mean, I guess Mura might have asked them to be a little more, you know, uh, faithful, but, you know, who, who can tell, actually? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a few things to note here. First is our complete lack of actual information about this. You know, we have an announcement that a new anime is coming. First of all, we don't know the medium is coming in. We don't know if it's an OVA, a movie, or a TV series. Uh, we don't even know the studio that's attached to it. Uh, some people claim to look at that image that's out there and say, oh, that's definitely Studio 4C. But, like, I'm kind of in the middle of the road. Like, I can see arguments for and against it based on the style. Because, yes, it does incorporate CG into it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it is for sure Studio 4C. Uh, and, you know, they're using textures instead of, like, you know, the flat shaded shit that you did in the CG in the last one. So you could argue that they've learned from their lessons. You could also say... At this point, maybe it's a different studio. No, you know, you know what? I think it's just a prof- uh, promotional shot. That's why they put some added texturing, like on these his uh, cannon arm. You know, there's some nice lighting and texturing, and I think it's sure. just yeah, they just put it in there because it's a promotional shot. But uh, yeah, I don't think we we're gonna see that uh, in the anime proper. And actually, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you that uh, I'm not 100% sure it's uh, Studio 4C, but at the same time. It, you know, like the face and all that stuff, it looks like their style, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, that. I mean, at least that's what I'm expecting. And I'm also not expecting the quality of this shot to be, uh, to reflect the quality of the actual product when we get it, so... Yeah, of course, and that, that definitely bears, you know, telling as well, is that, as you said, this is a, this is basically a poster for it. I mean, it, it's, it's meant to, to look like a screen from this, a scene in the in the series, but it is, for all intents and purposes, a promotional shot, and so it, it might not reflect the final quality. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if there's one shot they should put a lot of effort in, it's like this one is the first shot they choose exactly. to reveal. So, and the thing is also like we know they didn't put that much, you know, money or production value into the movies, despite the fact there were movies released in theater. So, uh, if this is an OVA or TV series, you know, I mean, there's probably not going to be any more production value to it. So I think people should be aware of that and keep that keep that in mind to uh, keep their expectations in uh, in check. Yeah. So, um, what are what do you what would you like out of this? Like, my ideal scenario for a new animation mm-hmm. for Berserk is for them to do Black Swordsman in a single run. Whether that's a movie, whether that's a three-part OVA, I mean, I, I think that would be pretty well, awesome. It's I'll almost t- a standalone Berserk animation. I'll know? tell you my ideal scenario is they're only doing the Lost Children arc, and they're not taking anything from the previous stuff. Like, they're ignoring the movies, 
we, it starts like it starts in the manga with Guts and Puck and whatnot, and you know maybe even I don't know Farnese. Let's be crazy, but it starts like it does in the in the manga, and just they do their run and they basically ignore whatever happens in the movies. You know, like it's a standalone mm-hmm. thing, a purely standalone thing. And I, I mean, I don't think they'll be doing the Black Souls Monarch uh, because you know because who knows what what the fuck because, but I don't think they'll be doing it. Uh, but yeah, if they could just you know like. What I really don't want to see is, I mean, there's a lot of things I don't want to see, but what, what would bother me is if they try to rationalize, to make it fit with how they did the Golden Age arc. And because they fucked it up, if they try to do that, it's gonna fuck it up, you know, also in some proportion. So, yeah, I'd prefer if they just did it, you know, as a standalone, purely standalone thing, like self-contained. And if people are puzzled, well, they just read the manga, you know. Uh, I hope that's how they, they approach this. Sure. I, I kind of get what you're saying about, you know, just kind of ignoring what comes before. I think that leaves a few messes on the table, unfortunately. But I guess after two different renditions of the Golden Age, it's kind of, it should be like kind of assumed that you kind of know the backstory to, yeah, to and, get into this, you know. And, you know, I, honestly, uh, I don't think they really care about leaving messes on the table. I mean, they haven't cared so far, so why care now? <laughs> I mean, they, they might try to do a transition or something, but I don't know. It's already so messy in the first place that, uh, I don't know, at least that's what I'd like. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not particularly hopeful about it. I also don't expect uh, this adaptation to be uh, super faithful or anything or to be even particularly good. So, yeah. I mean, at this point, I can only be, I would like to say that I can only be uh, positively surprised, but yeah, I'm not, so, I'm not so sure. Like, you know, you never know how, how low they can go. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, even after being, even after watching movies one and two, I remember seeing a trailer for movie three and I was like, you know, maybe this is the one. Maybe this is going to turn it all around and I'm going to like it. And actually, I felt the same way for Star Wars episodes one and two. Like, oh, maybe episode three is the one where it really mattered. And this is the one people are going to Unlimited power! Yeah, but it, that, didn't, that didn't work out either. Too bad that uh, Femto, you know, didn't, you know, Yazadat. He, he may as well have. Yeah, yeah, well, actually, God, you know, let's not, let's just not talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's just move right but, along. Uh, I, yeah, just one thing I'll say is that it's pretty interesting that they changed uh, the distribution partner for this. I like you remember how they all went about the Berserk film partners and everything with right. Warner Bros. And uh, you know, and now it's just another producer. And you know, like I think that that says a lot. You know, I'd like to really be curious to know everything that went down with this because, like, while everybody at the front and like, oh, great, it's a new movie. I think there's probably a lot of shit uh, went down between, uh, you know, Hakusensha and Mura maybe, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Studio 4C and uh, Warner Bros. and everything. So it's kind of, you know, like it feels like the Berserk film partners thing has just been blown to smithereens, <laughs> and uh, they're just nearly starting from. I don't know, but it's if it's kind of messy. I'm I'm really curious to know more about this project. That would be great if they learned from their lesson in the previous one, which, I mean, I think at most had a mediocre reception. Like, no one exactly was jazzed about those movies. Like, at yeah. the biggest, like, in the most superlatives I've seen adorned to it was, I like seeing Berserk in motion. You know, it sure is great to see Berserk in motion. And some of, some of the music was good. Yeah. And, well, but that's, that's about it. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Well, the thing is, what I'd like to know also is uh, whether they 
would say they made their money back. I think they did, but mm-hmm. probably not by much. I really wonder, actually. I'm, I'm very curious about these things. Too bad uh, there's been no communication about it. I never expected to see much from them. The Japanese companies are pretty tight, tight-lipped about that kind of stuff yeah. in general. Um, but, you know, I did those box office projections based on the first few weeks in, in uh, the theaters for all three movies, and, and none of them not performed very well. Yeah. Uh, the best was movie one. I think it was ranked at number seven in the box office, and movies two and three both ranked like in the 10 to, 10 to 20, I can't remember, somewhere in there. Well, yeah. well below everything else uh, for debut. Yeah, and uh, I don't think there were in many theaters to begin with. I mean, I, I don't right. remember very well, but... Actually, have a number of theaters as well. Um, they did not open many theaters with the first movie. Uh, for movies two and three, they ramped them up, but actually, sales or at least tickets sold went down from those two. So, yeah, it's too. You know, it's very. Well, it just reminds me of uh, the clusterfuck this production was. We started yep. with one movies and two and three, and uh, still cutting everything down. Why? I, I really wonder who had the idea that. You know, who thought they could do the Golden Age arc in a single movie? What a what a crazy, crazy thought. They didn't even do it in three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's... Uh, it's crazy, it's, yeah. It's even more truncated than the TV series, but well, anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. The I mean, to me, one of the bigger pieces of information about this whole anime thing, despite the fact that we have no information, is the fact that the distributor is changing. That switch from WB to NBC Universal, to me, signals like there's been a lot of internal movement about how this thing is funded and who's actually producing it. Like, yes, maybe Studio 4C is the, the same studio doing it, but who's, who's actually backing all that? Who's paying for it? Did the, the previous backer pull out, and that's why NBC Universal is stepping in to distribute over WB? Or did WB pull out? You know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, something like that happened. And probably, you know, I'm, I'm, I expect uh, Huxley and Chad to have lost some feathers in it as well. Mm. Well... That's about it for the anime, I suppose. Uh, the other, of course, bigger piece of news, for as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that the series will be going on uh, a, a deadline hiatus. So, not on indefinite, you know, a Suzuku or anything like that. Just a straight up um, see you in summer. I think it's uh, around summer was what we have at the end of. Yeah, uh, it's just 45. you know, it's unspecified. It just said we'll be back in the summer, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. So. We'll see. Uh, it's uh, six months. So, yeah, that's a, a big hiatus. But, you know, at this point, we are used to it, I guess. It's a bit, you know, uh, how to say. What's more uh, disappointing to me is not the fact it goes on a hiatus because it's not like that was never going to happen anymore. It's the fact that it will be irregular, I- irregularly published when it comes back because, you know, like they yeah. made... I wouldn't say they didn't make a big deal, but they announced it was going regular again. So to announce that and just, you know, like... Only a few months later, it goes irregular again. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's a strange way to do things. So I wonder if uh, something unexpected happened. You know, it could be Murad Hellas. I don't know. He'll be 50 next year, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. I always lose track of how old he is. Yeah. When uh, Bertha comes back, uh, it will be near his uh, 50th birthday. My goodness. I actually have a little bit of a tinfoil hat theory about the timing of all this stuff and the hiatus and the six the six months. You want to hear my tinfoil hat theory? You want to get your chemtrails kim, kim out? Oh, yeah, this? right. Um, yeah, let's go. Okay. So here here he goes. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens did it, yeah. So um, in 2011, when Volume 36 came out, or rather the announcement of 36 was co- coincided with the announcement of the new anime 
they called it the Berserk Saga project at the time. Yeah. And, you know, there's a big marketing push around both of those things, both volume 36 Mm. and the anime and, you know, the cover of 36 incorporated the movie thing. And I actually wonder if this past six months has been building up to this point where Mira can finally close the book on volume 38 so that they can co-market this new anime along with the marketing of volume 38, similar to what they did with 36. Because if left to his own devices, if he, if he released the series as he normally would, who knows if he would have, if his release of 38 would have coincided with the marketing window for this new anime project. So I wonder if Hakusensha maybe kind of slapped him on the wrist and said, you need to get six issues out by the end of the year so we can announce this goddamn anime. You know, actually, I don't think they slapped him on the wrist, but what they could have done is, if you remember, the hiatus was pretty long before that. Mm-hmm. It's possible they held up uh, episodes so they could release, you know, six in a row like that and, uh, you know, end it with the announcement of the of the new anime. It's possible they did like that. So instead of, I don't know, having three at some point, then four months later, three more, they just didn't release anything for a while built up a you know a buffer and then release them in sequence like that. So yeah, that's that's a that's a good idea. And also I don't know, also think the fact he's taking uh, that hiatus at this specific time when the movie's being announced mm-hmm. might be because he's gonna contribute to it uh, more than he has in the past, you know. I mean his involvement in the past has been pretty slim and so I, I, yeah. I have a hard time believing that's the case. But that is that's kind of the go to explanation for the hiatus that I've read around the internet this morning. Like, that's almost hopeful I can get because mm-hmm. it would justify the hiatus. Uh, you know, others, I don't know, him having health problems or being tired or needing, needing you know, inspiration or something like that. And at the same time, it would also uh, hint at the fact uh, this adaptation would be of a higher quality. Like, it would have some kind of guaranteeing factor. But yeah, obviously, nothing's sure and uh, it's very possible it's unrelated. And, uh, yeah, but that's not something like, you know, that's not very, a very positive way to view things. So I don't know. That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> but either way, on top of all those things, uh, we got a new episode today, episode 343, which and I actually wonder if this is the conclusion of volume 38 um, and not 342. Um, uh, that's a good question, but uh, I don't know. I think, I think at this point, uh, it, it would be strange for them to go back to 10 episodes per volume. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not sure I'm not convinced. Uh, yeah. I think this kind of decision is uh, usually up to the editor, not Mira himself. So uh, who can tell? I, of course, I would prefer to get uh, ten episodes per volume, but mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't change much in the grand scheme of things. So it's it's true. I mean, <laughs> even uh, narratively speaking, there's not a dramatic difference in where it leaves off in three forty two and where it leaves off in three forty three. So it doesn't really make much of a difference and. We will know the answer to this in a matter of months, so it's not worth pondering for too long. Just a stray thought I had yeah, going into this episode. Actually, if I had to choose uh, natively a place to end the episode, it would be uh, Trinidad and 42, not this one. Yeah, I tend to agree. Yeah, Arriving on the island and all that. So what about so, the color poster? So yeah, that's what I was going to start on next was... Um, <laughs> You know, when I first glanced at it, I was like, oh, man, I really don't want that to be the cover of Volume 38. And then as you look at it, you can tell uh, it's a little longer, uh, taller than most volume covers. And so I, I tend to think, based on the proportions, it's probably a poster insert uh, rather than that. Yeah, but. and uh, from the magazine, I think it's going to be uh, a pretty big poster. 
uh, you know, a threefold poster. So mm. those who might uh, be interested in buying young animal physically, uh, I think uh, should do it because uh, I think it's going to be a big one. Yeah. So I, I'm not a big fan of the the art in this one. You know, you know what it comes down to. I mean, it's fine. It's just it's just a kind of a boring pose. Like yeah. Mira is capable of so much dynamism in his art, and there's so much happening, so much only big things happening right now in the series. I just think this is a super boring approach to a, a, a threefold berserk cover. You know, yeah, I actually like the art itself, but yeah, the thing is. Like you said, it's boring. You know, I mean, I like the art and I always like to see guts and I always mm-hmm. like to see Mira paint guts. But yeah, I mean, we've seen so many, you know, uh, color illustrations of guts, so many paintings of guts. And this one's just guts standing with the dragon. So it's cool. You know, I like it. I'll take it. I'm fine with it. But, uh, yeah, thing is, you know, I'm, I'm always hungry for more uh, paintings and I wish we'd see stuff other than that you know so mm-hmm. yeah and i don't think it's a like i mean just honestly just from the not even analyzing the size of the painting or anything because as you know like it might be a truncated or cropped eyes of yeah. this but i just you know like i mean it would make no sense for to have this cover for that volume so it would be really quite disappointing for it to be the case so yeah, yeah. i'm just gonna say I'm, I'm just gonna be against it you know yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, the look of it is interesting. Um, what I do like most, I guess, is the there's a couple things. There's the highlights on his the detail of his little his equipment. Like you can see all the stitchings, for example, and all the highlights on the armor. Just everything looks really polished. But what's weird is like it's everything's super polished. It's at the same time it looks a little cartoony to me because of the of the the colors and the highlights, particularly on Gut's hair in contrast to the armor. It just looks a little I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the word is. The right word is. Well, the thing is, keep in mind. I mean, there's always a problem with these paintings in when they are transitioned, you know, uh, to scanning and printing and whatever. Sure. Some stuff is lost. One thing I like is when you look at his uh, cannon arm, arm cannon, you can see a kind of death effect. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's something Mura has been uh, tinkering with recently in paintings. Uh, that includes the uh, Gigantomachia cover, which, like, when you see it uh, in picture, it doesn't look very good but actually when i saw it on the on the actual cover you know there was some kind of depth effect that was hard to uh, describe but that make, made it look pretty nice and i think uh, he's trying something like that again with this so i like that kind of uh, play with perspective and that kind of stuff as for the style I, I, you know honestly when you look at the you know the painting is done over the years they are all over the place. The style changes yeah, all the true. time. It's like, basically, he just doesn't give a fuck. He's just trying stuff. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try this time. I'll try this time. So, you know, why not? But uh, I don't have much of a comment on it. It's just, you know, I mean, he's trying his new stuff. The moon mm-hmm. is also strange. The moon and the clouds behind him are a bit strange. I mean, I'm like, yep. yeah, sure, you know, well, nice, but, you know. A little generic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, doesn't bring much. It almost feels like something that was slapped on, you know, mm-hmm. on top of it. So, yeah. The the other thing I really like about this is the the blood coming from the armor onto onto on his side. It's kind of a reminder of the price of the of wearing the armor. Yeah. Uh, and it also kind of you know comes brings to mind volume twenty nine, which has a similar kind of color scheme to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice feature, especially the fact it. Almost seems like it's glowing, you know. So that yeah. uh, it even you know colors a bit the uh, dragon slayer at the bottom. So yeah, right. that's nice. 
Regarding the depth of field effect, um, he did that also in volume 36's cover where everything's in motion except for Guts's face, yeah. which is, you know, everything's blurry except for his face, which gives it some depth or interesting level of focus. And on this, the Dragon Slayer itself is a little bit more blurry than everything else. Uh, I think it's because the focal point is his Guts' hands and everything yeah. else is a little bit more blurry. Yeah, I agree. And even the handle seems to be, I don't know, it seems mm-hmm. to be forward compared to the rest. So yeah, yep. that's a nice, uh, nice little detail. Yeah. So that's it. I guess we'll move on to the the full episode 343. Um I don't have a title for this episode yet. Yeah, actually uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I as we are talking about the cover, I was like, dude, we didn't even cover the title. Everything went so fast. Uh and it's written very small, so I'm not sure. Oh, is it a real is it really on there? I I must have Yeah, it's on the it's it. on the hotel on the um, color picture. But, oh, uh, is it really? <laughs> yeah, it's at the bottom. It's very small. Wow, so, I see it now. Holy yeah, crap. So uh, you're going to need a magnifying glass to see that. So. No, wow. Okay. See, so, I, yeah. thought it, I thought I said Kentaro Miura with Studio Gaga. I didn't even bother to look at the fine print there. Yeah. yeah so. <clears throat> okay, so we do have an episode title. We just can't really read it right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Um. Notable takeaways from this episode, it's kind of resolves the fight. I mean, to me, this is the end of the fight. I mean, maybe yeah. there's going to be something else at the end, you know, beyond this, but it seemed to me that this was the, the natural scaling up of the fight after Guts clearly took, have, took care of the Scarecrows, no problem. Yeah. The fight evolves, and then we see uh, introduced to a few new characters, uh, one of which has a name, but we don't have the exact translation of the name yet, so I'm not yeah. going to bother trying with that. But we also got to see a new kind of creature, uh, the Wicker Man. Was it actually called the Wicker Man, or is it just we can deduce it based on everything? This no, design? that's how like, Shuke calls it. Of course, like I mean, I can't guarantee you that's exactly how she calls it in uh, mm-hmm. in Japanese, but at least in the current text we got, uh, that's how she calls it. And you know, like even before I read the text, just seeing the picture, I was like, dude, this is yeah. just like the Wicker Man, you know. And uh, and yeah, that's it. So it you know it works with. Um, with what Mira's always been doing, which is, uh, uh, say, uh, inspire himself from, uh, folklore and that kind of stuff. And so here we've got a harvest themed thing with, uh, you know, pumpkins and scarecrows and everything. And so the wicker man walks into that. And, uh, yeah, I like what he did with that. It was, it's pretty nice and, uh, pretty nicely resolved, uh, I guess. <clears throat> well, I, what I like about it is that he put his own spin on it because wicker man, wicker men, I should say, um, Traditionally involve, or at least are associated with human sacrifice, whether there's you know cause for that or not. And here, you know, they're kind of this one is kind of like powered by departed souls. So yeah, I, I I that was an interesting way to bring those two things together with his own color. I think the association might come from the you know the British movie uh, that got a remake with a terrible remake with Nicolas Cage, but the <laughs> British movie that's from the seventies or eighties. I think it was. Mm. Uh, that a good reception. I think that's that might be where it originated. That, that idea of uh, associating it with uh, sacrifices. I, I'm not honestly I'm not entirely sure. I'm not very familiar with that kind of folklore. But uh, Look, I looked into it a little bit before this, and apparently it was kind of a um, uh, what's the word? Uh, urban legend. Yeah, kind of spread by uh, the Greeks and the Romans to discredit the Celts or the barbarians at the oh, time. Nice. Say they're associated yeah. with these evil things. When there probably were just human effigies meant to, uh, you know, bring about a good harvest. So yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's nice, and like you said, uh, Mira puts his own spin on it. I, I like the fact uh, it's first. I like how it's made or it represented with the, all the, you know, the souls in there. 
Yeah. Uh, they are almost like looking through windows. And uh, I, I like the fact, when you look at the creature's eyes, it's mm-hmm. rem- reminiscent of the blaze wheel, you know, of the eyes Guts had when uh, he was possessed, when Shurge used him against uh, Daiba. Mm-hmm. So, and that whole idea of, you know, karma, fire, human, everything. So that's, uh, that's pretty nice. It's also pretty nice to see, I mean, Man, we should almost do a page by page at this point because there's so much. Yeah. To say. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, I was just kind of covering the highlights. I definitely have a lot to say about the design. Well, of the I, I like the fact that they got to, they get to Elfam. It's not just, you know, a paradise island where everyone's nice and everything. You've already got, I wouldn't say conflict, but you know, groups of people who have, you know, their differences. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we know this uh, new witch, which uh, for which we don't have an exact name yet, but I don't know, maybe we could just call her uh, M, because that's the first uh, letter of the name. All right. So anyway, yeah, I'm just making this up on the spot. It's uh, probably a terrible idea, but whatever. No, no, I'm I'm fine with M. Anyway, this new witch, uh, yeah, she pulls this stuff from storage, basically, and the others are like, no, don't do that. Uh, it's taboo, it's you know, forbidden, and she's like, yeah, fuck that. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's got a few cool lines, like, those are made to be played with, that kind of stuff. And her style is very, you know, she has a very particular style. She's basically the opposite of Shiruke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like she's very flamboyant, extrovert. Her robe, I actually found that pretty funny. Her robe is held up with buttons, but you can tell like it's a split open armor uh, to the butt, you know, so it's, it's pretty, like you, you can tell she's, uh, you know, she's gonna be a character that's not gonna, you know, uh, mesh well with uh, Shiruke. So I remember when people, when, you know, we got Daiba. Mm-hmm. And people were excited to say, oh, it's finally a duel between, uh, magic users. And I was like, yeah, sure. But at the same time, Daiba is not really in Shuriki's level. You know, he's not exactly, his abilities are not on par with hers. He's using yeah, tricks. Yeah, it's not a good everything. parallel. Yeah. But here you've got like the true rival of Shuriki. That's this woman, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's what I'm really interested to see. That's all, you know, they are opposites. Not just as far as their, you know, uh, let's say spells and stuff go, but also because of their characters and personalities and so on. You can already tell that at this point. Yeah, precisely. And the fact that she's pulling this from basically the magical armory to use against these people, and you know, you can it's a, it's a it was a very brash maneuver to bring this thing out around trees, this flaming thing, and you can tell just the action itself is not something Shirke would have done or approved of. So just even, even just that, you can kind of read a little bit into her personality. And she has a very, you know, devil may care attitude or at least expression in this scene. So, but very different from uh, Shirke. So yeah. that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. Her character design, really interesting. The, the pointy hat, different from the other pointy hats. Her, her staff is a little bit different. The spiral effect on it. Yeah, the twill her, is nice. Her shoes, you know, you mentioned the robe that's held up together by buttons. Also, her uh, shirt or her blouse is cut a little. Actually, yeah. it's, one, it's all it's all one robe. Yeah, it's one shirt. garment. Yeah, it's uh, open yeah. bust at the top and bottom. So, yeah, you can yeah. tell she's a, a free spirit or, or something. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, like, and also, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I like, uh, I'd say, just the, the way Mira did her face, you know, her face or her. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, I don't know what to say. It doesn't look anything special, but at the same time, it's a you know a face like we've never seen in the series so far. So it's something mm-hmm. you know, like I can appreciate that. You know, it's easy to put I don't know a big scar on a, a character's face or some weird ass hair, but to just put something that looks 
somewhat, distinct. yeah, somewhat normal, but at the same time, is unlike anything else and distinct in its own regard. You know, I, I, I always appreciate that. Absolutely, yeah. She actually, you know, I mean, this is stupid, but she looks like the main character from Jessica Jones, the actress with the. She has oh. those straight across bangs and that yeah, similar face. Kristen Rhino or something like that. Something I don't know. Yeah, she kind of reminded me of her. At the top of the yeah. one of the pages did anyway. I'm not sure I see it, but you know, I'll take. That's fine. That's yeah. my weirdest. I'm mean, a weird aside. Uh, it's Kristen Rita. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't really familiar with her before that show. <clears throat> One thing we didn't speak about regarding M is the fact she's on the broom. She's flying like a witch. Uh, I meant to, I was going to interrupt you at one point and then I completely forgot to do that. But yes, indeed, she is flying uh, on a broom, which was kind of the illusion that Shirke had made when she said, Some can even fly. I think you even see a little picture of Puck on a broomstick. Yeah, you in, do in see 28. that. Yeah. So, yeah. It was alluded to. Uh, but yeah, it's nice to see it finally happen. And also, it kind of evokes, you know, how she's on a different level than these other magic users. Yeah. Also that we've never seen anyone do that before. So it's a very impressive entrance. Yeah. I was going to say, are we sure we haven't seen it before? Because Dive back and levitate. Well, Dive has got some, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's like his main talent, you know, uh, levitating. That's uh, the one thing he does best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's go ahead and do a page by page. That's that's the general overview I had. Those those are the two big takeaways I had was the Wicker Man and M. Let's call her. Yeah. So yeah, um, <clears throat> it's nice to see Isidro's combat evolve a little bit, or at least his adaptability here. You know, he uses the long reach of the Scarecrow to roll uh, and get an opening with his uh, flame dagger or uh, salamander dagger. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty nice to see. Like he could be at a disadvantage. But, uh, yeah, to him, actually, that's an advantage because, you know, they have long reach, so they're weak at close range. So I mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, uh, it's his kind of, I don't know, spunky, uh, thinking and attitude where he can, you know, uh, turn any disadvantage to an advantage. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, you know, I wouldn't say cute, but pretty neat to see him, uh, you know, uh, act like that. Yeah. I mean, he thought, he thought on his feet and he resolved it pretty quickly, you know, in, in one attack, basically. So yep. I thought that was, that was nice. And we see Serpico and uh, Azan kind of doing their own thing against these. Uh, it doesn't look like it's holding too much trouble. Yeah, uh, act- actually, uh, yeah, I was, I was quite happy to see Azan in action. You know, I'm always finally. A, I'm always a fan. Every time, yeah, he can just be busting stuff in the background. But I'm always a fan. So, yeah, to see him just, you know, blow one thing uh, off, you know, that was yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah. Whereas Serpico, <clears throat> you just see him cut stuff up, and it's just like, you know, Serpico doing his thing. He doesn't get much attention. He's just there. Yeah. Uh, the one notable thing on the Guts panel is that he seems to be getting a little intense in the fight. You can see the kind of swirl effect in his eyes on the bottom of that page as he's slashing. Yeah. So he's starting to take it seriously, which, you know, was kind of surprising for me because these guys are kind of pushovers, you know, but he's kind of getting into the fight. He can't really help it but get into the fight well, because yeah, of the armor, I think you know? he's just, yeah, he's wearing the armor, so every time yep. he fights, it doesn't matter what, he's just getting, you know, pumped up, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, sure enough, the vines are a factor. Walter called it. The well, pumpkins then rise out. Didn't I call it as well? We, maybe, we, maybe we both called it. Let's give yeah. ourselves props. <laughs> Let's just, uh, I'm going to check who I called it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I like how the witches that are observing this are, you know, appropriately surprised by, you know, the results here. 
Yeah. Uh, and it, they kind of make, they make the fight evolve by bringing the, these monstrous pumpkins to life. Yeah. I, like, I really like the designs of these things. The rows of teeth, the 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 roots that they kind of walk on. Uh, I thought that was a really cool design. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty great. Honestly, uh, I also dig it. Uh, I actually like them, you know, I don't know, maybe even better than the scarecrows. Uh, they're just... You know, they're monstrous, but at the same time, they're almost cute, you know. So, yeah, yeah it was it was pretty fun. And uh, I like that the wizards or witches or whatever uh, reflect on the fact, you know, they're surprised that the sword of gods, they, you know, sees that they have, you know, uh, magic among them. So, you know, it's not like you see the group defeat everything and then these guys say, okay, let's bring out the big stuff. It's, you know, uh, done in steps, you know, progressively. So... I like how Mira did that here. Well, you know, even though we predicted it, the fact they start noticing, hmm, you know, these guys seem to be using magic, and uh, these guys got a huge sword, and they bring out the bigger stuff. And when these guys fail, you know, uh, M arrives with uh, the big artillery, you know. Right. Guts does something on the page. He plants his sword down in the ground. I can't actually tell what's happening in the next well, he's, page. He's uprooting the, the things. Oh, uh, okay. I think I think the color illustration is uh, an illustration of that. You know, actually, he plants his sword, uproots the things, and then you know, uh, slices them off. <laughs> Which is I yeah. did not catch that. Yeah, it's just a classic gut thing. Like you know, the roots are a problem. Well, you know, just you know, remove the the roots. Yeah, we get a few panels to see how everybody else is uh, interacting with these creatures, and you see Isma pick one up and smash <laughs> it against the other one, which I loved. Yeah, it's uh, pretty effective. And then Sidro gets tangled in really small pumpkins. I like how cute that panel is. Yeah, and Puck makes fun of him, of course. Of course, I can't, I can't read it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just tells him that uh, running around in the vines was sure to get him tangled up in the vines. He's like, dude, you know. So, yeah, it's pretty funny. So Shirke finally, or if I say finally, she, you know, takes action. I guess what took time was she had to identify, you know, the cause of this spell or why these things are acting this way. And she eventually, you know, pinpoints it. And it's actually really cool. I like the way that uh, it's explained uh, in accordance with Puebla's translation or summary is that, as I, as I understand it, it was an earth, uh, the magic of the earth was being used to perform a better harvest. But that spell was being kind of transformed to attack them. So she just reverted it to its natural state. Well, yeah, the thing is like, Basically, the the field was enchanted with uh, I don't know the easy, you know power power of the land, the magic of the land, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in short, it animated these creatures, made them uh, into what they were, and it was basically uh, what's a you know a spell that was based on growth and harvesting and that kind of stuff. So Shuriki just reverted it or altered it. So that it would, you know, go back to its like original stuff, and it just, mm-hmm. uh, how to say, made them grow, you know, uh, you know, how to say, induced the harvest, so they matured up, and that's why the uh, pumpkin explodes because they <laughs> reach maturation, like over maturation, and the same way the scarecrows, uh, you can see the, what do you say, the stalks, wet. yeah, I think it's wheat stalks, yeah, yeah just er- erupt, and uh, that's where they they go down. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty cute uh, and pretty neat uh, explanation. Yeah, I just like that Mira bothered to, to kind of explain, you know, not only how these things were animated, but also how Shirke resolved it in accordance with his own, you know, lore for magic. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, it's something he tends to do pretty often, but yeah. it's always nice to see. 
Uh, one of the pumpkins pops right in Isidro's face. So I thought it was funny. You can see it licking it off of his face later. It looks like Puck's taking a snack off of it as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but he eats it and says it's delicious. Yummy. <laughs> and I guess... I guess the... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say Isidro can't complain because maybe otherwise the thing would have been biting off his face. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess kind of the smaller reveal here was that uh, among the three witches we see, one of them appears to be a male... Kind of a chubbier male, uh, you know, chubby nose, chubby chin. And the other two, we have a girl with braided hair and a girl with straight hair. Yeah, uh, they all appear pretty young, indeed. They look, I would say, they look at about Shirk's age, maybe a little bit older than Shirk. Eh? I don't. Kind of hard to tell. Still, we'll know in a yeah. I think, or two. I think they're pretty young, but it's yeah, like I say, it's hard to tell. Yeah. What's and there? There are. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. What's interesting is that Mira chose not to reveal their faces and who they are, despite the fact he revealed another witch. So it's, a, you know, it's kind of a backwards thing to do. Like to show these guys, they stay in the shadow and another character arrives who reveals herself while these guys still stay unrevealed. So... I, I, I get it though. I, I get it though. I mean, I, I think it's about the impression they leave. Like these guys were never formally introduced. Where And, and I think that's because they're probably more generic. They're not going to be full characters. Whereas, uh, yeah, I, I think they're honestly, I think they're juniors in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think they're still students. It can be seen because their ones are uh, a bit generic. They are unsophisticated, not twirled like Shurkes or you know M's. And uh, yeah, when, I don't know. When, just, see, when we see M, it leaves an impression because it is the first time we've seen a yeah. full witch. And you know, Mira doesn't spare any. You know, what's the word? Um, pretense for this he just shows her full character design on, on her first reveal yeah you know it's, it's meant to make an impression yeah and i and i think these guys i think we are meant to be revealed later on that they are kids you know so it's not mm-hmm. like these guys are big defenders or anything like that or just children or something of the sort at least that's how i take it yeah for sure I guess we're on to uh, – we already discussed the character design for the Wicker Man and M. I guess one of the other things I wanted to say about the Wicker Man was the lines on it, the kind of the grid pattern and the fact that it's massive. I couldn't help but think of Gigantomachia, yeah. uh, the giant in Gigantomachia in particular. We spent a lot of time on those podcasts, if you guys remember, uh, talking about <laughs> at least trying to make sense of it as the, as the series is being released. You know, what was up those bindings? You know, we never actually learned much other than that it was under the control of the Empire in that, in that series. And um, here it just looks like it's part of the structure. I'm assuming that's like a metal part of the structure, you know, yeah. the wicker part of the structure. I but, say. Yeah, it looks like it, yeah. Yeah. And it has these weird flails on logs with sticks coming out of them. Yeah, they're, pretty, they're, they're pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love those, uh, those uh, flings, yeah. Yeah. And I don't have the text for uh, what they're saying, but um, I'm assuming Shirke. Uh, the the two-page spread, let's say. Oh, yeah, it's when Shirke, she explains, uh, Ivarela says, oh, it's a boss of the Scarecrows. And uh, <laughs> Shirke says, oh, it's a weaker man. I read about it in the past. And she explains who has created the fact it's a ancient uh, magical ritual from back in the day where you sacrificed a man inside a, well, a weaker man. And by mm-hmm. burning them together, it, you know, you would power the uh, creature, the golem, with, uh, mm. you know, the power of the living, so the soul or something like that, and that's how it's created. So she explains what it is and how it's created. And we can kind of see those souls, as you said, kind of, you know, kind of writhing about inside this. And, you know, it, it looks like 
we can see individual cells, but it's really it's, it's because there's just tons of them inside this giant kind yeah. of like you know wicker thing inside. So, so um, you can bet a lot of people were burned in this thing. So yeah, who who are those people? That that's the one question I can't really rationalize well, an answer for. Those guys, you know, like if I have to if I had to venture a guess, that's something from like a thousand years ago. And mm. uh those people were sacrificed like back in Geyser's time pretty much. And it's been in storage ever since. And uh because these guys if it's uh defenses and just figure out, well, I'll just buzz it out and see what it can do. Indeed, because it is very old, and you know we don't know how old, but uh, presume the last major incursion was a long time ago. You know, so yeah, it makes sense. I I kind of thought about that as well, particularly because when we see the souls finally emerge after gut slashes them, a lot of them look extremely distorted. You know, some of them still retain a human shape, but some of them are just completely wild, like just not human at all. And you know, you can kind of imagine if they were trapped there, they would further distort over time. Well, they just reminded me of Spectres, but yeah, a bit, uh, a bit different. But the thing is, I think what's important to take away from this, I don't think this thing was created on Elfhelm, uh, mm. on Skellig, you know. I think it was, or maybe really back in the old times before the Elves were there, uh, either that always was brought there from somewhere else. But yeah, I, I don't think, like, I don't think these guys, uh, have been making it, uh, like, uh, just a century ago. It's, you know, I don't think these characters are... Basically, what I'm saying is I don't think there's, you know, sacrifices going on in Elfheim right now. Because that's sure. Because that's something people might, you know, uh, mistakenly think about this. And, yeah, I don't think that's meant to be uh, taken that way. I mean, I think based on its... It's just utterly fearsome design. It seems like a weapon from another time. It doesn't seem like a weapon meant for an island of elves, you know? Yeah. It's uh, so. what Geyser accused to conquer his empire. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, maybe in a few episodes we'll get some of yeah, that. You know, I, I, like I, the... I know I'm just wetting your appetite with this. You know, you can admit it. It's true, but I'm able to contain myself after <laughs> that whole statue business. I was brought back to reality. Yeah. I like how Isma's tossing half of a pumpkin in the air on the, the, the first time you see the Wicker Man and full, the full frontal of it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, as fearsome as this guy looks, you know, he really only sends Isidro running away. <laughs> uh, Guts is able to uh, perform quite admirably. I actually really like the technique he does here where he slides uh, under it and shoots directly up. I really particularly love that page where he's shooting upwards, the low angle of the shot. Uh, you can see how tall the Wicker Man looks in that one shot. And, of course, the technique of the, the cannonball, you know, emerging from the head. Yeah. And then all that. Yeah, yeah. So Very it's cool. a pretty badass shot, and uh, and you know it's just you know I would say classical badass guts where he's a situation he improvises and just like in a split second he's already defeated his enemy. So that shows you know he's on a level where basically no one else is. It is absolutely a very guts moment, you know, because he gets the he gets the expected reaction as well after he pulls that off. You know, both M and the other uh, witches are you know shocked that he's able to dispatch <laughs> it with one shot. You know, yeah, they were like, "Oh, this is a big thing, oh, the taboo, whatever." <laughs> he just fucks it up in one second. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he basically brought it to its knees and then he finishes it off with the DS, yeah. splits it right in half with yeah. one slash. Nice, very cool. That's the episode. I uh, don't really have much more to say about it. Uh, I kind of wish we'd gotten a little further in our journey before uh, the next break, but we did not. Here's where we are. 
And I guess they will be on the road to Elfhelm. Uh, actually, you know, kind of obvious speculation next is I'm presuming this is the end of the fight. You know, the the build up to the Wicker Man and his subsequent quick quick dispatch. I doubt they're going to suddenly, you know, throw another monster at them. This seems like the natural conclusion to the fight to me. Yeah, and I think Shuriken is going to uh, say, um, fuck. I mean, call to the to M and tell her, yeah, what what you're doing? I'm a witch. Uh, you're a witch. Yeah. Why are you using that kind of stuff? We come here in peace. So, or Puck might even know that girl. It's possible. Mm, so, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So it would be interesting to to see that. And uh, yeah, I think it would be. I think the battle is essentially over. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of had expected a little bit more interaction for this episode between uh, Shirke, Puck, and uh, those that are assaulting them, these witches. And But uh, we didn't get any of that. I'm, and as you said, I'm presuming we'll get that next. It makes sense, too. I mean, I, I figure by now they would have seen there is an elf in their company, there's a witch in their company. Hey, maybe we could hold off this attack for a moment to figure this out, but... That was yeah. not the direction of the fight. Well, the three, the three little guys would have, uh, would have probably done just that if uh, M hadn't arrived with uh, the cavalry uh, right. to little effect, I'm, I must add. But so yeah, but it, at the same time, it was a nice conclusion to the fight. You know, I yeah, always like to sure. finish with a big guy that gets blown off uh, magnificently by guts. So that was nice to see. Look at the um, the shot where he's actually, where the cannon's actually going through it. Look on that page, and you can actually see like this effect as it goes through the body. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course, kind of, yeah. it's kind of like surging outward, you know, on half of its body. Yeah, really it's cool. it's just yeah, it's uh, it's, it's amazing. That's uh, that's why the shot is great because it's I wouldn't say blowing the thing up, but yeah, you can tell as it goes through, it's uh, damaging it. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. I guess one thing I meant to say earlier and I wanted to say before we finished up was uh, the introduction of M and, and even bringing out the Wicker Man. The theme of this whole episode really was – what was interesting was the dynamic because we are first introduced to these witches who act and do things in 342 like we would expect them to do. Uh, and what M does is she reaches into their, the, the back catalog of Elfhelm's defenses and brings out this thing that we didn't expect to see. I mean I didn't expect to see something – quite this fearsome this early on. And, and of course, that does take it down. It's not like a huge threat or anything. But we got to see something a little more capable than we would have expected at this stage of Elfhelm. So I thought that was neat. Yeah, and the fact, you know, to me, the fact this is a thing that was powered by human souls. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, like that's just, uh, it's not Murat throwing us a curveball, but uh, yeah, kind of, you know, I mean, it's it was like, unex- it was this, it was unexpected for sure to see specters powering a thing. No yeah, doubt. it's like uh, it might it might be the Elven Island, but it's still a, a place like, you know, magic is not so so far. We've been very uh, how to say. I, I guess uh, to me, it's a reminder that we've still not uh, hit the bottom of the well when it comes to uh, what magic can do in the Berserk world, you know, there's, there's much stuff, many things, many possibilities yet to be shown, and that includes Fantasia with all the magical creatures, uh, but also magic itself, and uh, to me that was like, you know, a taste of, yeah, there's, there's more to come, you, you guys haven't seen much yet, so... Yeah, very interesting. Like, it's not just another golem, another thing. This one was, you know, specific. And, uh, you know, it kept in, in line with the harvest theme of the, this, you know, little escapade. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty unique, pretty badass, and uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. 
seeing the different abilities, seeing the different types of magic, that was certainly one of the things I was most excited about Elfhelm, independent of all the other revelations that, of course, are going to happen. But, you know, our scope for what magic is in the Berserk world has heretofore been limited by Shirke and Flora, and that's pretty much the extent of it. And now suddenly we're seeing new ways to approach magic, and, and you know, so yeah, I think and, it's going to be interesting moving and, forward. Yeah, and more interestingly, ways that bridge the, you know, uh, elemental magic that we're familiar with and the human-based magic, which so far has been mostly, uh, uh, let's say, incarnated by the apostles and the members of the God Hand. And so here we see something that's a bit like the blaze wheel. You know, it's a uh, mm-hmm. magic that uses that, you know, karma or the human soul or whatever. So it's a bit of a mix. And uh, yeah, that's, that's nice to see. I really did when we first saw the Wicker Man and we saw his eyes. It's one of the first things you see, actually. I really did think, oh, my God, the, how did they get the Blaze Wheel here? Because you wouldn't expect the Blaze Wheel to be an entity that, you know, roamed this section of otherwise peaceful island. You wouldn't expect to find it here. But it's not that. It's just reminiscent of Blaze Wheel. Yeah, it might be related because it's, uh, you know, like the strife and the, the death of these guys is what powers this thing. So it might mm-hmm. be. I don't know. Anyway, it was... In the family of it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a wrap. I didn't have much else to talk about. Um, Oh, I guess the one last thing is um, Puella has translated uh, an interview that Mira did very recently uh, about Star Wars and and the impact that Star Wars, particularly A New Hope, uh, left on him uh, as a teenager seeing that. I guess he was in middle school, actually, he says. Uh, when he saw A New Hope. So and it's not even just that. He also talks about, you know, the was, evolution uh, of science fiction in Japan. He was around 11 or, or 12 when he saw it. Mm. Okay, got it. He um, he talks about science fiction, how you know, before Star Wars and after Star Wars and how, you know, Japanese sci-fi, which was so promising uh, at the time, you know, never quite lived up to Star Wars' legacy. But uh, it's interesting. The second part of the interview is now out. So you can also... Try to check that out. It's not translated yet, though. Yeah, but the first part is translated. It's on our site. And there will be a third part that will be re- uh, released on uh, Christmas. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Uh, they, they tweet, it, they tweet uh, these interviews on, uh, well, on Twitter. And uh, usually uh, the Berserk Project Twitter account retweets them. So those who want to check it out can check it that way as well. Well, that's good. I didn't. I haven't been following those accounts nearly as closely as maybe I should have. But I'm glad to see people have posted on the forum. Anything else? I'm trying to think. I guess that's about it. Three parts for the interview. That's nice. And, you know, it's nice. Quayle was able to do that. Like, you know, whenever I saw that he was doing a Star Wars interview, like I just figured I'd, I'd just Google translate that, and that would be that. But to get an actual proper translation, I, I did not expect that, and that's that was fucking awesome. So, well, nice. Well, that's it, guys. My. Uh, running out of steam on this episode so we will uh be back in a couple weeks to talk about our reread project which will be finishing up volume 17 and going into volume 18 but i guess we're going to do a lot of rereads from now until summer maybe we'll even get to volumes in the 20s maybe either way uh it's walter signing out Can you say Star Wars Force Awakens spoilers ahead? Force
elegance follows ahead. Very good. This is Griff Pirate Radio. <laughs> it's coming to you from a closet in Southern California. No, uh, okay, so I'm just supposed to say, hey, is this thing on? No, you Are you said, already recording? Yeah, yeah, so and, and that's fine. I mean, Griff uh, Pirate Radio uh, actually is even better to me. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what we've got going here. If it cuts out, I may have been captured by the enemy. By <laughs> <So. laughs> the Empire! Well, is it the first order now? You mean the first order versus the resistance? Oh yeah, <laughs> everything is rebranded. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but that's all it is: rebranding. I mean, uh, um, yeah, I didn't really see it the way. I think you kind of opened my eyes to like the idea of it being more of a reboot yeah. than a continuation. Because that I was going in there looking for the like the fourth movie. Like, I want Empire Strikes Back 2, if they can manage. <laughs> and they really were just sort of trying to do, yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, you know, some people have called it, like, almost a, like a scene-for-scene scene remake or, you know, remix with, you know, just every event that happens, there's almost some correlation to an event in the earlier movie. Even yeah. the stuff you think is not related. Yeah, you can see uh, a few guys have done uh, summaries on the internet, where, you know, uh, you can read the summary the same for A New Hope or The Force Awakens. Like, you know, stuff like an old dude gives a guy a thing and it's actually the lightsaber of Anakin Skywalker. And when you read the stuff, it's, uh, you know, it, it works it's for both. It's literally the same lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, but yeah, and even just like her, her being taken to, you know, like the detention level and him coming to, you know, it's like it's all there. It's just sometimes it's moved a little bit or it's been remixed. But it's yeah, it's all there with like a new a new twist maybe. Yeah, yeah, as a droid being you know captured or at least you know people trying to capture. Yeah, it's, it's the same you know with the scrap, the people gathering scraps. It's uh, on the desert planet. But uh, right. yeah, that, that guy even looked like more like Jawa just without like what you would imagine a Jawa without his robe on. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, what what do you think of it? Did you like it, or you know, I mean, you've already we've already talked about it as a thread, but yeah, you... we kind of talked about it to death. I, I well, that's the funny thing is, I didn't really like it. Like as, as I was watching it, because the whole time I was just, you know, it was, and I mean, this could be the movie's fault, it could be my fault, but I mean, I couldn't help but you know, constantly compare it right from like the stars at the opening. So I'm going to go ahead and say this is me and not the movie, but. uh you know, just like, does this look right? Does this look legit? Does this look authentic? Does it, you know, is it true to the old movies? Not that I wanted them to do some, you know, not that I wanted them to do that necessarily. And it's like, it's almost like they did that and they didn't do it at the same time. And I'm sort of hitting them for being different and being the same. But I don't know. Yeah, I did not enjoy it, like watching it because I was constantly in my head about it. Just comparing it, just saying like, eh, you know, this isn't quite, you know, hitting the mark. That's... This is sort of falling short. Even while I simultaneously liked Ray and liked Finn, and even this early stuff with Finn and Poe and and Kylo Ren, I liked all these things. But at the same time, it like it wasn't, you know, wasn't taking me there. Man, that's kind of depressing to hear, actually, because you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm critical, but when I watch, you know, I just watch. So the only thing. 
Like I, I've got to say, I think my favorite scene might be in the beginning when uh, Poe fires uh, the sniper rifle, and um, how to say, Kylo Ren just you know like blocks it with the force, you know, and you see that shot. It's like the panic oh, shot yeah. of the thing frozen in the air, and then he brings Poe to him like that. That that might be my favorite part of the whole movie because it's so fucking badass. But um, <laughs> and, and otherwise, I think the only thing that really took me out. Uh, was Starkiller Base, you know, like when I saw, they've got an even bigger one, and you know, they just, and they so shoot. They're like, we, we need to do the side-by-side -side comparison and have Han Solo do the, like, obligatory <laughs> joke, but it's like, well, then why are you doing this? Just make it about the search for Skywalker, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, even the fact that parody it in a way, I mean, it's just, why, why would you, why would you do that? Like, they could have a super weapon that's not not in a planet, you know, and it's just, and even, you know, yeah. I mean, what they did with the Republic, when they have, you know, these planets that are getting blown off and they get like 30 seconds of screen time and you're like, what the fuck, why do you even, why is there even a Republic? Just, you know, I don't know. Just don't have one and don't oh, have... There isn't one anymore. <laughs> yeah. I guess. And, you know, and... Well, uh, they're saying like they only blew up, you know, the Senate and, uh, you know, in five other, you know, planets or moons or whatever, and it's not that big a deal, but it's like, I know, it's not like Princess Leia mourned Alderaan for the rest of the movie, like, sh you think she might have, but yeah. no one even cared when this happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, there wasn't, like, any Obi-Wan going, I don't, again, it's like, we, we're saving Luke for the very end, we can't show him at all, no Luke is allowed, it's like, well, I'm fine. And not even really know it's him, like him in a cave or on that island, you know. So, um, yeah, Luke. Well, yeah, you know, the thing is, uh, I didn't mind uh, them keeping Luke till the very end. But, I just, you know, I mean, I didn't mind because there were already so yeah. many things going on with the movie. And uh, I would actually like, I would have preferred, I think, I forgot if I said it in the thread, but I would have preferred for them to keep uh, Leia for the end. And maybe not have Luke alone in the movie, you know. Maybe and, Maybe uh maybe not have Leia at all, <laughs> you know how about that? Well, yeah, you know she could show up at the very end. Like, and get, you know, get... Oh, she died five years ago. It's too bad. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I was glad she was here, but the thing is, uh, yeah, I think there's too much stuff. And like you said, I would have preferred them to, I don't know, focus maybe on the kids and uh, Han Solo doing his thing, you know, and uh, and and. I feel like you know the. The framework was there, but that it all could have been better if it had been given a little bit more time. Thing, like if they had focused more on Solo and the kids and sort of that that whole story, which all of it was pretty good and had potential. But it's like it might it could have been better with a little more, uh, you know, a little more cooking time, a little more marination. You know, if they were trying to fit in so much. Yeah, I agree. That it, yeah, that's like the Han Solo, you know, especially his arc and his, you know, conclusion. It left it, you know, feeling, you know, not as, like, formed as it could have been. And it's like there should have been more attention paid afterward, frankly, with Chewbacca and Leia and, you know, everyone yeah, because it was that old crew. Because it was so dense and went so fast, it felt almost perfunctory, you know, like, just, you know, throwing shit. And, yeah, it didn't have, as a consequence, uh, you know, his death and everything didn't have the emotional impact. Uh, that I Yeah, yeah, like, it could give have. it just enough time that it wouldn't be bad. But that they, you know, they couldn't make it, you know, they couldn't really take it to the next level because they, oh, we got to do lightsaber fights and we got to blow this thing up and then they got to get back. And then, oh my, do we don't even have time to meet Luke Skywalker if we don't hurry. I was afraid, I mean, I know what you mean by saving him, 
which, you know, they still sort of did, but I was really getting like, oh my God, is he not going to be in the movie? I'll go, <laughs> I'm going to go for some. <laughs> like... Yeah, it was, uh, at the same time, it would have been funny, I mean, mysterious, you know, to to keep him for the next one, so... I don't know, it was nice. I just but... think you don't make the next one a remake of Empire Strikes Back where he just says, you know, do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> and well, it's like, oh. the, the first thing you say is, Ray, I'm your father. And then he'll <laughs> tell her, do or do not, there is no try. Or rather, they splice in uh, Yoda's voice uh, during a dream sequence. <laughs> yeah, they, they have uh, Frank Marshall. They used... Uh, they butchered Alec Guinness's voice up so he could be saying Ray. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, and I uh, heard uh, Ewan McGregor too. Of course. Yeah, so there you go. Prequels. They're, yeah. they're back. <laughs> too bad they couldn't Don't... get, too bad they couldn't get uh, Hayden Christensen to come back and do a Vader yeah, voice. Yeah, you know, he should be a force ghost. He can, uh, he can be like over the shoulder of Kylo Ren. Yeah. Going, yeah. No. <laughs> Come on, kill the younglings! Kill the younglings! <laughs> Man, I bet Ray's midichlorians count is off the fucking charts. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I've been reading the debates about it, and it's funny because I like how people put all the social me meaning and messages in these movies. So it's like it's good that the movie's diverse, but then it's like there's people like. Oh, we're criticizing her because she's a woman, you know, like her abilities. And then there's other people like defending her on the same point. And it's like, you know, can we just like the character yeah. <laughs> or you know, the character and not either be tearing her down or propping her up because it's a woman? Yeah. Like it's that's that's kind of funny. I guess that just goes to show that there's there's still room to grow. But I mean, just, you know, I don't know how much longer we've got to go. I, I kind of, you know, aside from all the bitching about uh, those points. Wanted to say that in the days since, I've sort of softened, you know, and I've sort of just thought back to the things I, I re, you know, start remembering the things I like and also reconsidering, you know, like what their purpose really was with, you know, doing the Death Star Redux and basically making it like a weird, you know, the whole movie is like a tribute to the first movie, which it might also just be a difference in J.J. Abrams' fandom and what he considers important. Obviously, the first movie is, you know, kind of paramount not just for star wars but for filmmaking yeah and for blockbusters it kind of makes sense that he wanted to you know in a clever way pay you know just total tribute to it like that what about phasma oh uh, i have no idea about phasma phasma is a non-entity phasma might as well have just been a stormtrooper yeah <laughs> like, she pretty she was just a stormtrooper you know people thought because she had a cool outfit and was the Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones that she was going to be cool, but you know, not yet. She she might even be dead in a garbage compactor that blew up. Yeah, it's so. pretty. It was pretty terrible. You know, people were expecting Boba Fett too, but it's just you know. About, maybe maybe JJ he loves Boba Fett and like uh, he wanted to silence all the people criticizing how short his screen time actually is. <laughs> And how lame his death is by making it seem like infinitely more important and cool by comparison. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, I guess, yeah, I, I didn't like the the waterhole thing. 
the part, you know, the weird uh, Marathas, you know, characters, all that stuff, I felt it was not really necessary. Like, it was worse than the original Cantina scene, you know? Like, I wasn't impressed by the monsters. Yeah. And the atmosphere. It just seemed like they were almost in a... It was almost like a fantasy setting. Like, you know, they were almost in Game of Thrones, it felt like. like you know, just the motifs. Yeah, they were at, at the inn on the way to Baldur's Gate. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's what it felt like. It was a little weird. And, and uh, there's a chest in the cave where a magical sword lies <laughs> dormant. It's like Zelda now, and like, you know... Again, it was like, she's Yoda, but she's not really Yoda. And it's sort of like, what are her qualifications? They're kind of vague. <laughs> like, yeah. But she's 900 years old, too, and she she knows about the Force. Is she a Jedi? Because we probably would have heard of her. It's like, uh, n- no, no, she's not. Okay. <laughs> what, what is she? We'll tell you later. Where'd she get the lightsaber? Oh, that's a story for another day. <laughs> you, you don't know, do you? It's like, you just, you're just trying to read. You needed Yoda for the movie. <laughs> it's and he's dead, so I yeah, that worked. I, I I liked her little vision quest. Yeah. That was that was nice. Yeah. And I mean it was just and I guess I understand why they revealed one of my criticisms was that they revealed Kylo Ren too soon as Han Solo's son, even though it's you know it's obvious. Yeah. He's either Luke's Walker's son or he's, you know, Leia's son. You know, those are our only two choices since they're not gonna go branch outside the Skywalker family. Yeah. And, uh, wasn't again, but the, I just, th- I was gonna say, then again, there's Snoke, you know, and, uh, yeah. but I wonder where yeah. he come from. Snoke used the, the midichlorians to impregnate <laughs> Leia. Oh, God. From far away. Yeah, I guess all the fanboys are like, Snoke is Plagueis, and yeah. it's like, are we sure they're gonna even use that? Das Plagueis with a name that's yeah. just Plague and Is added to it. Das Days Deathis. They told George Lucas to fuck off, so there's no reason that they have to make it Plagueis. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they go ahead and just do that since it's already established lore, and they can still do whatever they want with him. Yeah. But uh, just be using the name, really. So, uh, and yeah, that would just be an easy way to sort of be like, oh, well, you... You know, the Emperor was cool, huh? Well, this guy trained the Emperor, so he's even bigger. By <laughs> he fault. might be wanting to come it's out a, It's an easy sort of shortcut to making him more important than they actually convey yeah. on with anything on screen. Like making him really big. <laughs> like, well, the thing is, that was cool. You know, I was like, what? What the fuck? Is this guy's a giant? And then it's an orgami. You're like, oh, okay. But, you know, uh, yeah, what's this? The Wizard of Oz? You know, I mean, just, I don't know. I liked it. It was fine. Like, in retrospect, the more I think about the movie, the more I like it. And either I'm just, you know, rationalizing or that's just a good sign. Because a lot of times, if I don't like something at first, you know, I just think more on it. And I, you know, my ideas just get reinforced in my head. Yeah. But I've been kind of softening up and seeing this one in a different light. And more, I feel like, understanding sort of what they were trying to do. And just, it was different from my expectations going in. Yeah, well, you know, I, I tried not to have any expectations. I Well, I mean, I expected it would be competent because it's Disney. And uh, it certainly was, you know, and that's like my big takeaway from it was like, well, it's competent. But yeah, I, I felt it was too much of a reboot. I mean, to my taste, you know, that's just a personal thing. I can understand why they did it that way. But I would have why to... they're, I mean, essentially their goal was to make the most successful movie of all time, if possible. What? And I think... 
part of that, like why they revealed Kylo Ren so early is because even though all the, you know, all the fans in the audience would be like, oh, he's on Solo's kid for the whole movie until it was revealed. You know, new people might have just been like, huh, who's him? Why are they talking about him? What? Huh? So I, that's probably why they ended up spelling it out there. Yeah, and I think they just wanted, like, the main goal was to reboot the franchise and to start, you know, now they've got, I don't know, how many movies planned. So I think that was like, uh, you After know... we're dead. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the Cliff's Note version of the, you know, of the Star Wars, you know, uh, franchise for newcomers, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't... Jose, I like the movie, it was good entertainment. My only thing is, like, and I felt that it lacked ambition. Just because it, or, you know, just because it was a, a reboot like that. So, if I had to say anything, is that I hope the next movie uh, departs from all that and uh, goes into fresh territory and, and does it well. Like if it can do yeah. new stuff and it feels like Star Wars and it feels like you know awesome and badass, uh, that'll be great. And um, well, at least one thing that gets me hopeful is that I like the new characters. So that's yeah. one, that's one thing they really nailed, and uh, yeah, I'm quite glad for that because that bodes well for the future. Yeah, obviously, that's the most important thing as a takeaway for going forward. That's a good sign of health for what they're trying to do. And yeah, I hope Ryan Johnson will take the story forward and do something, you know, original. You know, even if they fail, like even if he did a story that where it's like, oh, I didn't I didn't really like that. If You know, I'll just appreciate the effort if they uh, if they kind of try to do something new and unique. Yeah, and at the, least it will never be as bad as a prequel. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, they've got that, George Lucas gifted them that incredibly yeah. low water. Even if Justin Lin directs, it still won't suck that much. Oh, jeez. <laughs> jeez, I hear he's going to do the new uh, Star Wars and Furious, you know, spin-off Legends movie. Oh, God. That's coming out, you know, in 2018, you know, <laughs> before episode eight. But, uh, no, but, you know, the yeah, I agree with you about the sort of, I felt that lack of ambition, like when it's like, why did they just redo, you know, they could have thought of something better, right? Than just redoing uh, yeah. the desk. And, and then the only way I can sort of, you know, what's made me come around a little bit is, well, I guess I see the ambition of trying to recreate the old movie within a new movie. Like yeah. that was the, you know, like he could, they could have told some other story, but maybe in Abram's mind, it's like, yeah, we could tell an original story. But that'll just be an, an original story like any original story. We're going to try to recapture, you know, the essence of that particular movie. Yeah. And, you know, do it again. And then and it also be a jumping off platform going forward. And won't that be a hell of a trick? And, you know, it, it seems to be working. A lot of people like it. I'm starting to come around on it more. But when I was just sort of sitting there without that in mind, it was like, well, why are they doing this? <laughs> it's like just... <laughs> Just focus on uh, finding Luke Skywalker. <laughs> well, but yeah, the thing is, Luke is not a main player anymore. Oh well, yeah, and he's also, he seems like he's kind of a loser now. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's... Way to let the world go down the drain, Luke. Yeah, just, you know, one kid uh, told him to fuck off and, uh, okay, that's it, I quit, I'll go leave all by myself on an island. Uh, yeah, and, and apparently, you know, probably we'll just, uh, some future speculation, abandon his daughter. Yeah. Which, the only way I feel like he can explain that is if he pretty much just uh, says, well, you know, I felt like everything the Skywalkers touch, you know, and everything we do, you know, it's just, it ends up no good. It ends up like the dark side. It ends up like my father and like, you know, your cousin. 
And so I just, I didn't even want to train you in the ways of the force and I thought it would just be better if I disappeared and, you know, had nothing more to do with uh, yeah, and with instead, the galaxy. And instead of leaving you uh, with loving people on a nice planet, I'll leave you on a desert planet, living off like a, a dog, you know, trying to find scraps tough, to survive. Tough love, tough love. <laughs> you should have you fend for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, Luke, it doesn't look good for him. He seems like he's kind of an asshole. It's like, yeah, it's what it comes down to. Well, so I don't know. Yeah. Or do you think, uh, you know, this is just real general. Do you think they'll either, do you think they'll just completely copy the whole uh, Vader arc with Kylo Ren? Or do you think the twist will be that he's just going to be irredeemable? Uh, I hope not. I, I think he'll, he will be redeemed, uh, but not like Vader was. <clears throat> I think it will be done a bit differently. I don't know, actually. It's a, it's a good question. I think it could be done nicely. <laughs> going to throw Snoke into a pit instead of Palpatine, <laughs> so it'll be different. <laughs> it could be done nicely both ways. He could, uh, he could be unredeemable, and it would be nice, or it could be, uh, you know, I don't know, it could, could be redeemed, and it would also be nice. It depends on how they do it. Yeah. Uh, what would be <laughs> neat to me is if instead of, you know, having it follow the old way of, you know, the Emperor and Vader or, you know, the all that rule of two yeah. Sith crap that I don't even believe in, that's not even real, mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, it would be neat if, like, halfway through the second movie or after Snoke completed his training, if Kylo Ren just killed him and was like, I'm the, you know, I'm the guy. Like, no one, you know, like, you know, and he, you know, he didn't have any, you know, overlord or anything. So he's just the bad guy. That, that, would, be, that, would... that would be great. But, uh, I mean, I don't expect them to go in that direction, but that would be pretty great, yeah. actually. Let's yeah, see. and that would explain why Snoke, you know, I mean, he, he could or may not still be impressive. But it's like, you know, I just think that would be a neat twist where he just says, like, I'm pulling the I'm pulling the trigger. I'm, you know, I'm the king of the universe, not you. Which is also something uh, Vader kind of hinted at uh, with Luke, uh, you know. Yeah, taking... which they were supposed to follow up on originally before they just went, no, he's going to be a lapdog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. <clears throat> well, I guess that's, uh, that's all I have to say. Do you have any more? No, that's about it, I think. Yep, so I guess we both, you know, I didn't enjoy this experience of watching it, strangely, but I like it in retrospect and want to see it again. Why? You know? uh, Yeah. It was also just the stress of going was like I had to drive through like three hours of traffic after after getting off work and then worrying about crowds. And so I was, you know, this better be the best movie ever. Uh, (laughs) I got I bet. I went in advance and uh, I made a kind of an effort. I went after work, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a, no like I didn't have to drive three hours. <laughs> yeah. No, but it ended up being uh, yeah. I I want to see it again. I want to. I think I'm going to take my dad, and nice. I'll end up uh, I'll end up defending it to him probably because he's going <laughs> to latch on to all of these flaws, and he's not going to appreciate the the doing the movie within a movie kind of a bit, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I bet. You'll just think like, Ugh. <laughs> I liked it better in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people have been saying that on the internet, as far as I can tell. Yeah. But I mean, the, the critics that have all been paid off and brainwashed 95% approval rating. <laughs> so. 
Well, you know, nowadays I don't think it means much, <clears throat> unfortunately. Yeah. Not sure it ever meant much. Yeah, I mean, it's, people were going to go see this even if it was like, oh, it's the prequels all over again. Yeah. Because it's such a big cultural thing that you just got to... Hello? Yeah, I'm still there. Oh, okay. The, the last words cut off. Oh, okay. I was just going to say it's such a big cultural uh, thing that people just got to go see it, no matter what. Right. <clears throat> Do you care at all if it breaks all these box office records <laughs> and, you know, like takes the mantle from Avatar? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to beat Avatar, but it's sure a bit uh, Jurassic World, so that's that. I think it's almost impossible for it to beat Avatar. Yeah, Avatar was ridiculous. It's made like three uh, billion dollars, so it's like they it, even if they get to two billion, it's not going to cut it. Yeah, that's why Cameron never followed up on what he said about Avatar two and three because I think he knows uh, he should end it on a high note. The next you know? one's going to make you know nine hundred million dollars, which is great, but it's going to show you know he said it himself. It wasn't just a fluke, and it's like oh no, it was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it was a complete fluke. It was everyone going to see it in 3D and losing their minds for like, you know, three months. And yeah. that's it. <laughs> Pretty much. <clears throat> God, uh, yeah. Thinking about that, that was embarrassing. Yep. It's like it was collective, you know, insanity. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And for people like, I miss Pandora. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's the dormant furies that were awakened. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I'd be happy if this ended up being on top of the heap. But at the end of the day, you know, who cares? Yeah, I don't think it's a movie people will remember fondly in uh, 20 years. Well, I mean, except the people who know our kids who are 10 and yeah. uh, are going to go see it. I actually have a co-worker who saw the prequels when he was, you know, uh, young. And uh, to him, the prequels are very special. You know, that's his Star Wars. So it's uh, wow. yeah, it's always you know. I mean, he liked this uh, this new movie. Of course, he was he was a uh, super pumped for it. He went to see the first. You Did know, he, was this one disappointing compared to the prequels? It's like uh, I wish more had been computer generated. You know, no, actually, <laughs> actually, he really liked it, and uh, and I was like, well, yeah, but it's uh, it's kind of like a new hope, and everything is like, yeah, yeah, but. And uh, yeah, I, I can tell. So it's uh, it's funny to see like there's these generation of people who are like that. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, I think there'll be a generation that's the same for, for The Force Awakens. But yeah, in 20 years, will uh, there'll be a big difference between this one and all the other movies that came after? I'm not sure. Yeah, when there's, you know, in 20 years, there's going to be 20 more theoretically. So, yeah. oh God. The good thing about that, though, even though it's like, obviously, it's going to dilute and water down a lot of stuff, is it also give, you know, just random filmmakers that they give an opportunity to, to do something transcendent. Yeah. You know, just because nobody's, because no one has expectations. It's not like, this needs to be episode 10, and it needs to fit into the Skywalker narrative, and it needs to be like, you know, all the other movies. They can do something truly original and maybe even great with the same world and material because, you know, they don't have the same pressures. I don't think that's going to be Rogue One since it sounds like it's, you know, getting like, it's basically a moot point. You know, they're going after the Death Star plans, yeah, which is like, is it, okay, I wonder how that turns out. <laughs> <laughs> very exciting. 
next next movie about the Bothans in the oh. second Death Star. <laughs> well, I got a chat, man, so... Oh, uh, yeah, this has been uh, the Griff Pirate Radio hiding <laughs> in my car, you know, to, to talk about Star Wars with Az, and uh, that's it, I guess. Anything you need to say besides bye? No, it's fine. All right.